Hi, this is Pastor Lane Jones wanting to welcome you back to another Beacon of Hope broadcast as we're going through the actual messages that Jesus Christ himself preached while he was on earth during his public ministry. And we come to another passage that I know many of you will find familiar, and that is a passage where the Lord is teaching his disciples how to pray. And so I've just entitled it very simply, um, Lord, Teach Us to Pray. And so it's it's about actually what we would commonly call, uh, Jesus will use in this message, the Lord's Prayer. And um, it really is a model, not so much to be uh, quoted, although I've memorized it, and uh, actually the Matthew version of this prayer, and um, will often use it in my prayer times, but not so much as a, a direct, you know, just quoting this to God as if I'm reciting a poem to him. Uh, but instead taking the concepts that Jesus is dealing with here and uh, praying those concepts to God. It really is a great um, kind of a mini prayer list as to what God would have us to talk about. Because I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but I have many times experienced the situation where I've had some time, maybe I'm traveling in the car a, a long distance or something, and um, I think, well, boy, it'd be a good time to not really flip the radio on or distract myself with some other means, it'd be a great time to pray. And sometimes, uh, at least it happens with me, that I'll be uh, now, okay, so I'm going to take some time to pray, and then uh, then nothing enters into my mind. It's like all of a sudden it seems like your mind goes blank. And so um, uh, Jesus actually gives us in the Lord's Prayer a, a great model of things to talk to God about. And so um, uh, there's much more to this uh, message that Jesus has here than merely that. But I'd ask you to just join me in a word of prayer, and, and then we'll get right into it. Father, thank you for the privilege of studying your word and, and of what our Savior had to teach on this issue of prayer. And I pray that that you might use this in all of our lives. Um, help me, Lord, to be clear and, and accurate as to what I share uh, about what Jesus actually said here. And I pray that you'd give us great application in our own personal lives. And as the disciples prayed, so uh, we pray again today. Lord, teach us to pray. Help us in this time, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, first of all, um, the word pray, what does it mean? And literally, it means to ask. In the Old English, if, if you've ever read, uh, uh, read things from the Elizabethan era, uh, kind of when the King James Version was being translated, many times uh, you find this statement, I pray thee. And what that means is I'm asking you for something. And prayer really does have to do with with asking God for things. Now, I believe it's 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 more than that as well. It's it should involve praise to the Lord and thanksgiving to the Lord, uh, but it also definitely involves asking. And so, uh, do you have ever, ever have struggles in your prayer life? Have you ever knelt and started to pray and and like I just related to you, drawn a blank as to what to say to God? Uh, you know, you know, prayer, if it is simply talking to God, and many times uh, new believers or ones that don't have much background in uh, in the biblical doctrine may ask me, like, I, well, I don't know how to pray or how do I pray? And um, what I try to tell them is prayer is talking to God. Um, like, um, obviously we should be respectful, but that's really what prayer is. It's talking to God. But why, is, if that's just the case, why does it seem so hard at times? And I believe that Satan fears the prayers of sincere and godly people 
more than just about anything else that you and I, uh, who are tr- true Christians, can do. Therefore, prayer is a spiritual battlefield for the believer. Matter of fact, if you were going to judge your own prayer life, um, what grade would you give it? You know, would you give it an A, a B? Uh, well, I, I was remember talking to my people about this, and and I told them I think Satan would like to give us all a D. And you say, well, why not an F? Well, because I thought of uh, let's see, uh, one, two, three, four things that start with D that I thought would um, maybe stick in their minds, and let me just share them with you. Why would Satan like to give you a D in praying? praying? Because he'd like to deter you from praying, uh, use all kinds of means to distract you, to, uh, to, to keep you from doing it in the first place. And then the second D would be he'd like to distract you while you're praying. And if you think about it, you begin to pray, and this has happened to me many times, and, and you're sincerely coming before God with a, with a need, and before you realize it, your mind in just a minute or so is way off in left field. And sometimes, if we don't catch ourselves right away, we can be, we can be several minutes later thinking about something that has nothing to do whatsoever with what we originally were wanting to pray about, what we wanted to talk to God about. Well, again, I, this can have to do with just mental concentration, but I also believe that Satan is working very hard to, first of all, deter us from praying, to give us other things to do, and then secondly, to distract us while we're praying. Let me give you a third one. To defile you so that your prayers are hindered. Now, um, we'll talk about this when we get into the, into the model prayer, the Lord's Prayer, but um, uh, I, say, I think sometimes we can overemphasize this point where where Christians never feel like they can pray because it's like, well, I, I'm sure I've got sins in my life that I haven't uh, confessed fully, or um, and so I, I, you know, I don't have any confidence that God will hear me. Um, I, I, that is not the intent of the Word of God. God is not only going to ask answer the prayers of people who are, you know, have all their sins confessed and have nothing between him and them, um, that doesn't uh, uh, work that way, thankfully. Otherwise, we get very few prayers answered. I will say this, though, that if you're doing something just in as an affront to God that you know is evil, or you very well should know is evil, maybe you've hardened your heart and you're not even thinking about it anymore, that definitely can hinder your prayer life. Let me give you some examples. Let's say a husband is is being very cruel and mean to his wife. Do you realize that the Bible talks about husbands being giving honor to their wives and uh, as unto the the weaker vessel, the idea of, of of that she's like a fragile vase that you need to care for and love tenderly, and he t- he warns husbands that if they are mean to their wives, your prayers will be hindered. Isn't that interesting? Uh, uh, Psalm sixty six eighteen talks about the fact that if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. Now that idea of regard is has the idea of, of like treasure or, or hiding. It's something that you're saying to God, no, I'm not going to deal with this. I, I'm going to hang on to this sin. And I, I love this sin and I'm not going to I'm going to keep basically kicking you in the shins, but I want you to hear my prayers. Well, that kind of high-handed rebellion does hinder our prayer lives. And so Satan would like to deter us from praying. He'd like to distract us while we're praying. He'd like to defile you so your prayers are hindered. Let me give you a fourth D he'd like to give you, and that is to discourage you before, during, and after your praying. And um, things like this that uh, even this past week have gone through my head, God's not going to hear your prayer anyway. So why are you wasting your time? You know, why are you... Uh, some, sometimes you may feel led to fast. Why are you doing it? It's not going to work. 
Have you ever heard those kind of voices in your head? Your, your prayer's not going any higher than the ceiling, as sometimes they say. Um, or even while you're, not, you know, before you pray, well, don't don't worry about spending time praying. Don't set aside any time. It's not going to do any good. Or even while you're praying, as that sometimes happens to me as well, and that is you're praying along and, and that those doubts come in and those fears come in and discouragements. And uh, sometimes um, I have a dear uh, friend who, uh, when this person is done praying, then you sense the discouragement, and 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 I've tried to tell this uh, dear loved one, don't don't uh, be discouraged after you've just given your burden to God. And yet sometimes the devil is whispering in the believer's brain, "Oh no, God didn't hear that prayer. He's not going to answer your prayer." And so the four D's that Satan would love to give us in prayer deter you from praying, distract you while you're praying, defile you so that your prayers are hindered, or discourage you before, during, and after your prayer. Well, let's come to the passage for today, and that is, um, it's it's in Luke chapter 11. I'm sorry I didn't announce it to you yet. It's in Luke chapter 11, and we're starting with verse 1 with what will be the background of this message of Christ. It says, Now it came to pass, as he, speaking of Jesus, was praying in a certain place, when he ceased that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples. So just three quick statements about the background of this message. First of all, Jesus had been praying. And I wonder what it would have been like. Don't you see Jesus actually pray? Um, I I don't know. I've I've, I've wondered different times what that would have looked like. But, But his disciples obviously knew he was praying. They did not interrupt him. Um, so you notice the disciples, uh, secondly, in the background, the disciples wanted to learn how to pray from him. Lord, teach us to pray. And you say, well, if prayer is as simple as asking and talking to God, what's the, what's the big deal? Well, the disciples sensed a need in their lives to, we, we, we would like to get some instruction on this. And uh, you'll also notice that they said that John the John had also taught his disciples to pray. And they're speaking there, uh, there's a number of Johns in the New Testament. This is John the Baptist, the prophet, the great prophet who introduced Jesus to the world. And so um, they're saying, would you, would you do for us what John's disciples did for him? That's the background then of this message. And, and there are a couple major points that Jesus will speak to uh, during this message. And the first one, is on the issue of what you can pray, and that will involve the Lord's Prayer. And then the second issue is how you should pray, and we'll talk about that, and then we'll try to make some applications. So that's where we're going this morning. And so let's notice, first of all, what you can pray. Have you, again, if you've ever drawn a blank, and I have many, many times, in verses 2 to 4, Jesus lays out some things to talk to God about. So he said to them, When you pray, say, Our Father in heaven hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us day by day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Now, Matthew's account, and some of you may say, well, why'd you stop there, Pastor? Well, because this is the end of, of, of Luke's version of the Lord's Prayer. Uh, Matthew's account also adds, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And so um, Matthew gives us a little bit more of an account. But what Luke gives us is is certainly accurate and true, just he doesn't give us as as much as Matthew did. 
Now, um, what is Jesus telling us that we can pray about? Uh, it, by the way, if some of you have um, uh, maybe a, a modern translation in front of you, um, you'll note that in your translation, it has even a, a couple other um, um, words missing. And again, that's filled in in the Matthew account, so, so nothing is truly missing here. But l- let me just notice the first thing that Jesus said we're to pray for. He says, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Now, um, we're to pray for God's glory, hallowed or glorified or honored be thy name. God's name is is to be treated with reverence. And um, uh, it's a very serious th- issue with the Lord of, of his name. And, and actually, two of the Ten Commandments, the Fourth Commandment, and, um, uh, is, is extremely important on this issue. And um, other commandments, are when we violate them, also can bring reproach upon the name of the Lord. But specifically, commandment number four, thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless that taketh his name in vain. So this is a very important issue to God, and we ought to pray for God's glory. Um, Can I just encourage you on this to please take very seriously honoring the name of the Lord? Many people in our society today are saying something like, oh my, and they put God's name in there, and they use this as an as a expression of surprise or wonder or or fear, and the reality is they're not talking to God, and they're not talking about God. They are using his name in vain. It is using it in a blasphemous way. God's name is to be held in reverence. And when Jesus starts out this prayer to his Father, he is saying very, uh, first of all, hallowed, honored be your name. Can I also say that this is another reason why if you say that you belong to Jesus Christ, you ought to be very concerned about the testimony that you are leaving to other people. There are many people who use as an excuse, and it is not an excuse that's going to hold water on Judgment Day, but they'll use it as the excuse of walking away from God's people and from any kind of a, a church attendance. They'll say, well, there's a bunch of hypocrites in church. And again, when they stand before God, that is not going to hold water. Because the reality is, yes, there may be hypocrites in church. As a matter of fact, there probably is in about every single church. There are people who are fakes. But that does not dismiss the fact that there are also, in, ver- in, in, in most of these churches, genuine believers who are not fakes. I have not thrown away all my money because there's counterfeit money out there. That would be foolish, would it not? And so to throw away the, the public worship of God with God's people simply because some of them are faking it is not going to hold water with God. If you won't throw your money away, don't throw public worship of God away. It's foolishness. You say, well, well I, I value my money. Okay, well, should you not value the public worship of the Lord? That excuse is not going to hold water before God. The Lord says that we are not to neglect, we are not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. That is talking about coming together for public worship. Then it goes on to say this, as the manner of some is. So that means even in the first century, there were people who were doing this, who were walking away from public worship with God's people. He says, but exhorting one another. You see, it's not just what you get out of a, of a service. You ought to be going there to be a blessing to others who, who truly accept Christ as Savior. And if your church is not teaching about 
the salvation that comes through Christ, about the, 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 the reliability of the word of God, of the fact that Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven. If your church isn't teaching true, true doctrine, then find a different one that is, but don't stop going and, and attending a Bible-preaching church where you're going to hear the truth. Many people are going to stand before God and be, be guilty of a, of, a, of a major sin against the Lord because they, they, have, they have gotten away from worshiping and honoring God. And you honor God, and one of the ways you can do this and hallow his name is by, is by worshiping him with other people and encouraging them in their faith. So the church is, is, is a very important thing. And Jesus starts out this prayer by praying for God's glory. Now, can you do that with a, with a, a sincere heart? Lord, I want your name to be glorified. And, and are you living up to that? And how you talk about God and how you use his name and how you worship God. What does he say next? So this is a great thing to pray about. Hallowed be thy name. May your name be honored. Then the second thing, your kingdom come. Now, um, you pray for God's glory, and I'll give you a, a, a second thing to pray about. Pray for God's will. You say, well, what does that have to do with his kingdom come? Well, let me read the, the next statement, and we'll put these two together. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, we're praying for God's will. Your kingdom come, for you and I who are living today, uh, we're, we're not um, living in direct line with the return of Christ and his coming kingdom. My, my, my understanding of biblical prophecy, and I do uh, find it of great interest to me personally, is that we're looking for Christ's return for his own church in what we commonly call the rapture. And when that takes place, um, the, the, uh, the believers are, 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 are caught to be with the Lord. There will be a number of people left behind who are not believers on this earth and they will go through a terrible time of suffering called the tribulation period. But in that time, uh, there also will be many who will turn to faith. And that's the purpose of that, to judge those who are in rebellion against God, but also to call as many people as possible to come to genuine faith in Christ. After that tribulation period is over, Jesus will return to set up his kingdom. And that really is what Jesus is asking that we pray for. But how does that look then from where we're sitting, uh, from our vantage point in God's timetable? When I pray for God's kingdom to come, I am actually then praying for that next step in that process, which would be the return of Jesus Christ uh, for, his, for his bride, the rapture. And um, so I pray for this when I pray through the model prayer. But when I think about that, I, I think about those who would be left behind. And there are two sides of this coin that honestly, when I pray about it and think about it deeply, um, are, are, are balance my thinking on this and, 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 and leave me uh, um, uh, both concerned as well as, um, as anticipating this return of Christ in the rapture. So I'm praying, Lord, Lord would, you, would, would, would Christ come soon? But I also have to think about the people, and I have relatives, I have friends, who if Jesus Christ came back today would be left behind to go through that terrible time of suffering that we commonly call the tribulation period. And so it is honestly with mixed emotion that I pray this because I think of those that would be left behind. But I also think about the people who, uh, many of whom are being born now, 
who uh, many of whom tragically are going to grow up to reject the Lord. And I think about that tragedy as well. And so I, I will many times talk to the Lord about, about these two sides of that coin. But Lord, I, I do pray your kingdom would come, that, that Christ would return, because he told us to do that. And the next statement is really linked with that, thy will be done, or your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. You see, until Jesus Christ reigns again on this earth, there will be just so much that is done in direct violation of what our Lord would desire. And so um, um, how is God's uh, will to be done on this earth? Well, he said it's to be done, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So let me ask you this question. How is God's will done in heaven? If you were transported to heaven right now and you saw the Lord in heaven, how is his will done up there? Do you think people are delaying? No, I think it's done immediately. Do you think people are half-heartedly doing his will? No, I think they're wholeheartedly doing his will and they're doing it completely. Do you think they're doing it with, with sadness and with, with anger and bitterness? Oh, I think there's none of that in heaven. Heaven is a place with no sin. They'd be doing God's will immediately, completely, joyfully. And I want you to think about this because when you're praying, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. If you're listening to my voice, this morning, you are on earth. And what really I often think about and pray about when I, when I consider this part of the prayer is, Lord, your will be done in my life as it is in heaven. Lord, help me to obey you as loyally and faithfully as the angels do. And I will tell you, I, I fail that test, but I pray that. Lord, help me. Help me to obey you like the angels do. Because may your will be done not only on earth, but I'm on this earth, so may it be done in my life as it is in heaven. Boy, when you think about that, that makes this prayer really begin to come to life. Um, so in your life, what, what areas of your life need to be brought under God's control? What is there a habit that you know is not right with God? Maybe alcohol is ruining your life. Maybe maybe cigarettes are destroying your body. And you know it's not right. You know God doesn't want you to do that. Can you pray this part of the prayer? Lord, may your will be done on earth, and I'm here too, so in my life as it is in heaven. What sin conquers you? What command do you need to obey? May your will be done in my life as it is in heaven. May I obey you like the angels in heaven obey you. Boy, what a prayer to pray. May your will be done not only in my life, but how about the lives of my loved ones? Do you have any children that you're concerned are walking away from God or grandchildren? This is a good time in that prayer. You see, when, when your mind goes blank, if you can remember the Lord's prayer, you go back and you think, okay, Lord, may your will be done. Yes, in my life as it is in heaven, may your will be done in my my spouse's life as it is in heaven. May your will be done in my children's life, lives as it is in heaven, my grandchildren's lives as it is in heaven. You got a lot to pray about. How about the people who are important to you? Maybe a, good, a close friend, um, someone who's not necessarily one of your immediate family, but matters to you. Maybe this person doesn't even know the Lord yet. Lord, may your will be done in my unsaved neighbor's life as it is in heaven. 
May you do a great work in that, that person's life. What about our governmental leaders? Do you realize in 1 Timothy chapter 2, and I'll read you these verses, verses 1 to 4, we're told to pray for our political leaders. And, and, and we do this, by the way, in our, in our church, and I'm sure we're not the only one. Hopefully many churches do this. And that is we, we'll take a different governmental official, for everyone from the President of the United States right down to our local leaders, and we, we will take one uh, a, a week, and we'll have that as our governmental official on our, on our church-wide prayer list for the week. And we try to pray for that individual. Often we leave them on two weeks in a row. We try to pray for that individual and for God's direction for them. And it doesn't matter whether they're a Democrat or a Republican, we're going to pray for them all. And why do we do that? Well, let me, let me read you 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 to 4. Therefore, first of all, Excuse me. Therefore, I exhort, first of all, that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. For kings, that would be the governmental leaders, the highest governmental leaders in, in, in the day that this was written. For all who are in authority. So that, in, that encompasses then everybody from local leaders to judges to whoever. Um, he says, for kings, for all who are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. And there's one of the reasons to pray for our leaders because they have a huge influence on our lives. And if you want to live a life of quietness and, and, and peace and godliness and respect or reverence, then a great thing to do is to pray for the leaders who do have an influence on that. Verse 3, For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Boy, we need to remember this today. Maybe you're listening to me and you, you're a lifelong Democrat and boy, you just can't stand our, our current president because he's a Republican. And maybe you don't like one of your senators because he's a Republican. Can I just tell you that we're to pray for all our leaders? And you know what the Lord is saying? I desire for them, all of them, to know me. I don't want to judge any of them in hell. I don't want to. And sometimes we just demonize people that we disagree with. Maybe you're a lifelong Republican and a conservative. And you just can't stand um, some of the people who are leading the Democratic Party. And, of course, we're in the middle of an election right now. And I would just encourage you on this, that God loves the person in the opposite party and your neighbor that has the opposite sign out who you think is just absolutely foolish because they can't see what you see. No, God loves them too. And we're to pray for our leaders when the Apostle Paul was writing this, the Roman Empire was in control, and they were oppressing many people. But he prayed. He said, pray for your leaders, that you may lead a quiet and peaceable life, and because God wants to save them too. And you know, it's interesting, the Apostle Paul was, was given by God the opportunity, actually through going to prison, the opportunity to witness to several of the major leaders in the Roman Empire, including the Caesar himself. Now, um, I don't, I'll guarantee you, many of them did not turn from their sin and turn to the Lord, but eternity will reveal, and I'm convinced that, that some of them did. Matter of fact, Paul in one of his letters was closing and he said, um, mention believers in Caesar's household. Now, who those people were in his household, we don't really, we're not told. It does, there's no more elaboration on that. But we do know that some of the actual household of the Caesar of Rome were converted. 
What a blessing that is. God wants to save people. He wants to save people who disagree with you. He even wants to save people who have been very evil in their past. And thank God for it. Thank thank God for the mercy that he shows. So, So be very careful that you don't let your politics keep you from from uh, having an eternal view of the Lord and an eternal view of the value of every soul of man, even those that are not doing right. So who do you pray for when you pray for God's will to be done on earth as it is in heaven? Pray for your own life. Think of how far you fall short of obeying God like an angel does. Pray for those loved ones around you, people important to you, governmental leaders. So pray for God's will to be done. Then a third thing is pray for your own personal needs. I was talking to a guy just um, today, and this man actually, I believe, just understood the gospel and was converted to Christ as an older man now, um, just this afternoon. But earlier in our conversation, we were talking, and he said, you know, I just don't like to talk to God too much because he's got so many things to do and so many people to look after. And I'm trying to explain to him, no, no, you're not going to tax God's mind. It's God's not up there, you know, wringing his hand, or there's not the switchboard is not full. The reality is, is God is well able and to not only to handle each request that we have, but he wants us to talk to him. He invites us. He says, uh, pray without ceasing. You know what that is? That's an invitation to you to say, you can talk to me 24-7 if you want to. Many people feel lonely today. They're isolated because of the COVID thing and because of jobs maybe being lost or whatever circumstances are in your life, maybe a very difficult family situation. Uh, maybe some young people have a very difficult school situation going on or maybe you're uh, forced to learn at home. Um, and, and so people, many of people are feeling lonely today. May I say to you, if you have a personal relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ, you can talk to God anytime, day or night. You're never going to bother him. He is glad to hear from you. He wants you to talk to him. And I'd encourage you to do that. And so the next part of this model prayer is this. Give us day by day our daily bread. It's kind of interesting. He's talking about praying for personal needs. Um, and and I, mean, I just encourage you that please don't think you're bothering God with by praying. You're not. Um, you need to think that issue through. God invites every one of us, and he's not thinking foolishly. He knows the end from the beginning. He's inviting every one of us to talk to him. And the idea is you can never ask God for anything that that um, goes beyond his ability. Uh, for instance, his power is infinite. Remember how he says in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31, many of you know this verse, uh, uh, but they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Where does that strength come from? It comes from God. His power you can trust. You can trust his goodness. You can trust his honesty. God has told you to pray. Here's another passage. It's Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7. He says, be careful. That word careful is the idea of full of care or be anxious or worried for nothing. Now think about that. He says, don't worry about anything. Now you say, how can I do that? But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. 
He's saying, instead of worrying your way through life, instead of letting all these things build up and, and, and worrying about them, talk to me about them. Here's an open invitation to talk to God about whatever is burdening your heart so that you do not have to worry. He says, be, be anxious or worried for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication. Supplication is simply, be specific. Tell God exactly what's going on. Lord, I am afraid because of this. I'm afraid of losing my job. I'm afraid this person is going is talking behind my back. I'm afraid uh, that when I tell my husband this has gone on, he's going to get angry. When I I'm afraid that that um, whatever that fear is, what he's saying is, bring it to God. Be specific. Tell me. Tell me exactly what's bothering you. With supplication, then he says this with thanksgiving. Say, how do I? How do I? How do I thank God when I'm in the middle of talking about something that's really bothering me? Well, well, think about it for a second. What can you be thankful for? Well, Lord, I'm thankful that you've told me that I can come to you with this. I'm thankful that you can do something about this. I'm thankful that, uh, Lord, when, when, when Jesus died on the cross, he died for me, that I, can, that I can have eternal life through you no matter what's going on in my life. There are many things for the genuine believer to thank God for as you're praying. And here's what he says. So instead of worrying, everything by prayer and supplication, be specific about it, with thanksgiving, so so think of some things to be thankful for while you're doing that, let your request be made known to God. Then tell him what you'd like him to do. Now, it doesn't mean he's going to do it your way. And I think we all should understand that. He's not always going to do things my way. But he says this. You'll do it this way. You, you, you pray specifically about what you want. Be thankful and make your request, and it says this, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. What the Lord is saying is, if you'll do these things, if instead of worrying, you'll bring your burden before me, and you'll lay it in front of me, tell me what's going on, ask me for what you'd like, with thanksgiving, he says, you know what, I'll I'll give you this, I'll give you peace. You can rest on me. We have an evangelist at our church this week, and because of the COVID um, uh, issues going on, and, and let me just say the evangelists that we bring in are not, you know, people with buku bucks and and uh, all this foolishness that you sometimes see on television that brag about their money and their possessions. It's it's foolishness. Um, we we bring in people that are really dedicated to Christ, who are wanting to treat, teach right out of the Bible. And and often are they're not they're 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 really not well to do. They're they're living off the offerings of God's people as they as they travel around. And if you think about it from their standpoint, because this is your livelihood, when the churches closed down, many of these people lost a number of meetings that would be their source of income. Matter of fact, this evangelist we're having into our church, I think, lost um, about fifty percent of 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 his meetings for the entire year for twenty twenty. Um, due to what has hit with the COVID issue, understandably so. So he's sitting there in his lawn chair, and he's he's not made of money, and wondering, you know, how am I going to get these bills paid that I have? He's and um, and yet God gave him peace about the fact, you know what, God, you're going to take care of me. I know you will. And so as he's thanking God even for this problem of losing the meetings and talking to God about the needs that he has, 
his testimony was that God gave him peace, and the Lord has taken care of him. Now, he's not by any stretch getting rich, but God has taken care of him. Um, so God is, you can trust his power, his goodness, his honesty, and you know what? You can trust his love. Do you have a spouse? Do you do you refuse to ask uh, for him or her to do something for you? I don't think so. Uh, if you have any kind of a good relationship, uh, a loving relationship, you let your spouse know when 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 something is difficult for you and you need some help, and and that spouse should be glad to do it. Uh, when my wife, um, often we have people over to our house. Well, for 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 her, she's a, she's a busy lady, and so and she loves to put on a good meal and she does a great job. But but you know, toward the end. Uh, Company's coming. They're going to be here in a few minutes. Uh, many times she'll say, "Lane, I need some. I need some help." And so, man, I you think I'm angry about that? No, it's a privilege. You go out there and you pitch in, and you, maybe I'm cutting vegetables or 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 wiping dishes or whatever. But just helping her get ready, folks. God loves His children. If you belong to Christ, if you've accepted Jesus as your personal Savior, you're not bothering God with your requests. He wants you to talk to Him about your needs. Give us this day our daily bread. Now notice, this is a regular prayer. This isn't something, I'm not saying, Lord, uh, meet my monthly needs, because then I just need to come to him once a month. God is inviting you to pray daily for what you need each day. And this is a wonderful thing to do. Those of you that have learned to use a schedule, um, what I try to do before I make my daily schedule is I try to pray about it. I say, Lord, you know, I need your direction. When I'm done making it, anything you want to change, and often God does, but it's a great thing to be able to say, Lord, here's here's what I've, I see going on today. Here's what I'd like to try to accomplish. Talk to him about your day. That's a great thing to pray about. Say, my, my mind's going blank. I, I don't know what to say. Talk to him about your day. Talk to him about what you need. It's a regular prayer. It's also a specific prayer. Give us day by day. You're asking for something you need today. And most of us, it's not that we need to know where our next meal is coming from. Now, some of you may be in that spot. You don't. You honestly don't know where your next meal is coming from. That's a great thing to pray. But those of us who have a little more means than that and have food in our cupboards, we still have got a lot of things to pray about that I need today. You're a student. Lord, I have a test today. Lord, there's been some kids that, um, you know, have been harassing me. Lord, watch over me in that situation today. Uh, maybe another uh, person is is a uh, college student. Maybe you're having some roommate issues. Lord, help me to, to, to be a good roommate. Help me to get along with my roommates today. Uh, maybe someone else is going on a, the first date with, with someone. Lord, help me. Help me to glorify you. Help me to, to um, have wisdom. Whatever is going on in your life this day, talk to God about it. What a wonderful thing. It's not you against the world. You actually can go to the God of the universe and ask him to walk with you through your day. That's exactly what Jesus is saying we can do. Give us day by day our daily bread. So this is not only a regular prayer and a specific prayer, it's a practical prayer. Our daily bread. So what do you need today? Well, when I was thinking this through, uh, typically I need grace in order to, to teach God's word to people. I'm, I've been doing that today. Um, actually, I don't want to overeat too much. I don't want to put too many pounds on. So that's a good thing to pray about. Um, how about compassion for people? A lot of times 
there are people that we tend to overlook. We had a lady in our uh, in our church last night, and she uh, is mentally handicapped. And I don't know what age level she would be at, but it's 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 not overly overly high. I would imagine it would be below ten years old. And yet here she is with joy on her face, and she's she's uh, sitting there and taking in the the service. And she's done this for a number of weeks. Is glad to be there. At the end of the service last night, she raised her hand and and indicated that she wasn't sure she was on her way to heaven. She'd like to know that. And again, just honestly running through my mind, I'm not sure if she's able to comprehend the gospel. I think that the Lord certainly makes provision and understands that if someone does not have the mental capacity to to get it, that that person would be safe. They 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 can't if they're not able to make that decision. But um, at the same time, she she goes up and and wants to talk. And I had talked to another man at some length, so I'm a little bit mentally fatigued. But and 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 here's this 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 lady who's much more simple, and it was interesting because I I'm talking to her and I don't really know um, if I should need to say all that much. I'm not sure what she's understanding. And the evangelist that we're having comes up and and I I invited him. I said, Mike, why don't you go ahead and and, and talk to her? And he sat down and just very simply explained the basic tenets of Christ's death on the cross for us, that Jesus died for her, he rose again, and that if she would call upon him to save her, he would. And he said, uh, would you like to do this? And and she said, um, yes. He said, I'll tell you what. He said, I'll, I'll pray. And if when I'm done praying, you'd like to ask Jesus to save you, you go you right ahead. And I'll, I'll help you to know what to, you know, just some things to pray to God. And so, um, when he got done praying, he said, "Would you like to to accept Jesus?" And she said, "Yes." Again, this this woman's mentality I, I can't tell you, but it's, I, I'm guessing five six years old. And so he begins to lead her in a prayer, and she begins in some ways to finish his thought and to kind of. Um, and I'm telling you, it was fascinating for me, who could have easily overlooked this woman to see her, in her simplicity, put her faith in Jesus and the joy that she had when she had done that. I I needed, and I didn't even know I would need it, I needed to be compassionate toward this woman. There are many things that we need that we don't even realize as we start a day. Um, I, as a pastor, I'm very concerned that when children are growing up in the church that they know that their pastor cares about them and listens to them. And so I, 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 even if a child is, is maybe being rude and interrupting an adult, I, I don't think it's my job, I'm not the parent, to correct that child at that point. I, I think the bigger lesson that that child needs to see is that, that his, his or her pastor cares and is not overlooking him. I need that kind of wisdom every week that I, I, I come into the church and, of course, come in there uh, more than one time a week. So there are things that you need... Some of those things you can anticipate. Some of them you can't. And that's why, again, you're praying, God, give me what I need today. Give me this day my daily bread. And then he says, and forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who is indebted to us. Now, this is very important, the prayer for forgiveness. Can I point out to you that this is number four on the list? We've already prayed several other things. We've prayed uh, for God's glory. We've prayed for God's will. We've prayed for personal needs, but all before we actually prayed 
for forgiveness of sins that we've committed. Now, he's not talking about the prayer for salvation here. He's assuming that you have already accepted Jesus as your Savior. He's accepting that you already are God's child as as, uh, making your choice to be born again. But now, here's a person, and sometimes I've seen people go over a model of prayer, and they're saying, well, the very first thing you need to do is confess your sins because God won't listen to you if you haven't confessed your sins. And I would just beg to differ on the authority of God's word because Jesus puts it as number four on the list. And again, this shows that you do not have to be absolutely perfect before you can have God answer your prayer. Now, what's also interesting is I'm to pray for my sins that have been committed against God, because forgive us our sins, okay? And you could say, forgive me for my sins. And these are sins that you've committed. Um, again, since your conversion, these would be things that you've done recently. And and I don't know about you, but there are times when I, I know I've failed God. Um, I'm coming to prayer, and it's like, I, I know I failed, but I can't even think of the specific area. It just, again, my mind draws a blank. And the second part of this prayer for forgiveness can be extremely helpful at that point. It says, forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who is indebted to us. Now think about that one. So I'm not only to confess my sins against God, and you're to do the same, confess your sins against God, but you're to tell God that you are forgiving those who have sinned against you. And can I give you a little hint? Many times God allows others to sin against you so that you can sin I'm sorry, so that you can see sometimes the sins you're committing in your own life. Now, let me give you an example. Maybe someone is very bitter and angry toward you. And you're seeing that, and it makes you very, very frustrated, and it makes you angry, and you don't want to forgive them. But I want you to ask yourself this question when someone sins against you. Have I done the same thing to God? Have you been angry at God? Have you been bitter toward him? Have you maybe ignored him or even spoken harsh and mean words about him or to him? See, if, if maybe God's throwing up the mirror and showing you what your sin looks like. And so what, why that helps is if when I see, hey, you know what? I've done the same thing that... that here, Joe is bitter to me. He's, he was very unkind to me. Well, have I been unkind to God? Or how about this one? Have I been unkind to my wife? Have I been unkind to my kids lately? And what you find is many, many times, not always, but many times, when I see a sin in someone else's life that makes me angry and makes me not want to forgive them, many times, if I pray about it, God will say, you actually have done the same thing. And then here's how I can pray it now. Let's say I've been mean to my, unkind to my, one of my children, and someone was unkind to me. I can say this, Lord, forgive me for my unkindness to my son, and I will forgive this person who was unkind to me. Forgive me my debts as I forgive my debtors. This is a great way to spot sin in your own life. It really is. And to really come clean with God. And so I would encourage you, when you're having a hard time forgiving somebody, and someone sinned against you, first of all, your own forgiveness is tied to forgiving them. You need to keep that in mind. But look for 
Is there an application? Is there some way that I've done something similar either to God or someone else? And when you pray for forgiveness, then you're praying for forgiveness for your sins against God while telling God you are also forgiving others who have sinned against you. And it is much easier to forgive someone who has been bitter to you when you spot bitterness in your own life. And when you say, you know what, Lord, I was unkind to my son. And so I will, if you'll forgive me for my unkindness, I'll forgive the person who was unkind to me. And can I encourage you on this too? God deals with you on something like that. Go back to your son and tell him you were wrong. Very, very important. So that doesn't sit on his or her, his heart. Um, Now, so there's a prayer for forgiveness. Let me move on to one more. We're going to have to stop here. And that is the prayer for deliverance. The last part of the prayer, as Luke records it, says, and do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Some of you may have delivered us from evil, and you could translate it either way. So the prayer for deliverance, first of all, from uh, the temptation to sin. Lead us not into temptation. Um, God can lead you away from temptation, and that's often what I pray when I'm at this point in the prayer. I say, Lord, would you would you steer me clear of as many things as I can avoid today? Steer me around, because you will find that that there are many times, even when you're trying to do the right thing, matter of fact, many times, especially when you're trying to do the right thing, that Satan will bring the temptation across your path. And so it's a wonderful thing to pray, Lord, steer me clear. Lead me not into temptations. Steer me away from things that would be a temptation to me to do wrong. And then he says, deliver us from the evil one or from evil. There are things that you just can't avoid, that you will be confronted with, and it's probably going to happen on a daily basis. And what we're to pray here is, deliver us from evil or the evil one, which would be Satan. What what I can't steer clear from today, what I'm going to have to face today, deliver me from that evil. Deliver me from the evil one, from Satan's strategies to destroy me. The prayer for deliverance. Now these are... I think if you if you think this through, you can see that this model prayer is not merely something that I am to recite as if it's a poem that God should be impressed with how many times I can recite it in a row. That is not treating God like a person. It's treating him almost like I'm going to do some kind of magical a potion or magical formula, you know, or abracadabra type of thing. Talk to God. But, to, but, the, but if you've memorized the Lord's Prayer, what a wonderful thing to go before God and just one by one take those concepts and think and meditate on them and pray them to God. Lord, hallowed be thy name. Glorified be your name. May I glorify your name today. Your kingdom come. Lord, may even this be the day when Christ returns. Oh, Lord, when I think about that, I'm concerned about my loved one here that doesn't know you. I'm concerned about maybe a child over the, of, of mine or a neighbor of mine that is not saved yet. Lord, if you give me a chance, help me to be a witness and a light to them. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, may your will be done in Washington, D.C. May your will be done in the upcoming election. May your will be done in the school board meeting today. May your will be done whatever you're going to face today, but may your will be done on earth, including my own life, as it is in heaven. Help me to obey you today, like an angel would. Give me this day, day by day, 
my daily bread. Lord, help me with the needs I have today. And forgive me for what I've done against you. And Lord, I'll forgive those who sinned against me. And think about it. Who has sinned against me? Who's made me angry recently that I need to forgive? And Lord, have I done the same thing to you? Have I done the same thing to other people? Then forgive me for what I've done, and I'll forgive them for what they've done. Forgive me my debts as I forgive my debtors, and don't lead me into temptation. Lord, steer me around as much as I can avoid today, but deliver me from the evil that I can't avoid. And then if you want to add Matthew's part in, yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. May this be a blessing to you. Lord bless you, and I pray that that God, through this message, will help teach you to pray. If you have a spiritual need and would like to speak to someone who could help you, you can email us at help at CalkinsBaptistChurch.com. Calkins is spelled C-A-L-K-I-N-S. Again, that email address is help at CalkinsBaptistChurch.com. I began this study of the messages of Christ in our church about two years ago, so if you'd like to see the original video sermons of this ongoing series, you can find them on our Facebook page at Calkins Baptist Church. Under the video tab, there is a separate playlist for the Messages of Christ series. If you know someone who is shut in or otherwise unable to attend church in person, we live stream our services weekly. You can look for that service to be streaming at approximately 10 a.m. on our Facebook page. We also are just beginning to put videos of our services up on YouTube, so if you do not have Facebook and would like to view a message, you can search for Calkins Baptist Church on YouTube and you will find the beginning of our presence there. If you could hit the subscribe button, it would help us to get more established in that medium. If you live anywhere close to us, we would like to invite you to come to visit us for a service. If you have no idea where Calkins is, our church is located about 10 minutes from Beach Lake, Pennsylvania, about 20 minutes from Honesdale, Pennsylvania, and about 10 minutes from Narrowsburg, New York. This week we have been enjoying special revival services with evangelist Mike Pelletier. Mike has been a personal friend of mine for about 20 years now and has often been used by God to bless believers in our area. He has come to minister to our congregation on several occasions over the last 20 years, and we have again been blessed by his ministry over this past week. In our video page, on our Facebook account, we have grouped Mike's messages under the title 2020 Revival with Mike Pelletier. I hope you will feel free to check out that resource as well. Again, if you are in our area, the final service of this year's revival is scheduled for tonight at 7 p.m. at our church's family center at 527 Calkins Road, Milanville, Pennsylvania. We also plan to live stream the service on our fake Facebook page as well. If any of you would like to share this radio message with a friend, you can find a link to our podcast on our Facebook page. Just look for a Radio Bold icon on our feed. As we leave you today, we pray that this broadcast has been a beacon of hope in your life to point you to the light of the world, Jesus Christ. May God's richest blessings come upon you. Thanks for listening.